we would do the work and we would commit and we would keep up and we would do the work on ourselves because it's not really much about just showing up to work, responding to emails and calls and doing some marketing and connecting with suppliers and whatnot. We did a lot of work on ourselves. Going through these journeys also established a sense of responsibility because what we are offering is of immense value and we have been always committed to serve the community. And this is in a way where I find service is at the core of what we offer. Hello, 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 and a very big welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Dedein, and I'm so happy that you're here today spending time with me and my amazing guests. If this is your first time listening to the episode of the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast, then I highly recommend you check out our website at elevatedentrepreneur.fm, where you can get access to amazing shows and episodes with our previous guests, as well as all of the amazing goodies, including show notes and transcriptions, so that you can take more pleasure in listening to these episodes. Now, today's episode is even more special. Why? Because it's with Shadi, one of the co-founders from the Seva Experience. Seva Experience was previously called Life and One. And if you've lived in Dubai, it's an amazing place and I'm pretty sure you've already checked out. But in case you haven't and you've been living under a rock, then I highly recommend that you pay them a visit. The Seva Experience is a wellness center that combines not only just learning, meditation and yoga, but also a beautiful cafe called the Seva Table. Like I said before, it's such a gorgeous place to visit that sometimes you forget that you're sitting in a cafe in Dubai because it's so lush, it's so green and most of all, so very peaceful. Shadi and I today talk about everything from how they met because of a crystal to how they're running such a complex operation and what kind of systems they have in place to get this off the ground. From their humble beginnings with Ida, who started this center back in 2014, 2015, to today where they've come such a long way, Shadi and I cover so much. And I'm hoping that you get some valuable advice and experience so that you can take it back to your own business. And without further ado, I want you to help me cue the music and let's get started. You're listening to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast, a podcast designed to help retailers, restauranteurs, and entrepreneurs simplify business operations and use modern technology to elevate their business. Here's your host, Darren Batia. Shadi, welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. It is an absolute treat having you here. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, Darren. I also want to thank you on air and tell my audience what an amazing lunch you and I had. I can't stop talking and telling my team about the fact that we were supposed to meet for one hour. We ended up chatting for three hours <laughs> and uh, I was blown away by your knowledge. So thank you for your warm hospitality. Always a pleasure. You have a beautiful center and that's what we want to talk about today. So before we get into talking about Seva, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself, please. Tell the audience who you are and what do you do? So I was born in Dubai. I was born in the UAE, actually, in Sharjah. My parents come from Syria. 
I'm 38 years old, and I co-own and run Seva Wellbeing Center with my wife, the founder of this place, Eda. We are based out of Dubai, and we love life. We say yes to life. We enjoy life. I'll leave it here, open-ended, so we can define it along the way. Absolutely, and I can vouch for the fact that you love life. You have an immense pool of knowledge, which I got a little bit to taste of when we met for lunch. I was blown away how in your mind, religion and language, vitality and life, everything blends together. And I hope that we can talk about it today and go through some of that magic again that you and I had when we met. But you said you were born here. I know you went to AUS and I know that you are an immensely smart man because you also have a full-time job. Tell me about that a little bit. That's true. 16 years in the world of payments and transaction banking. And it came to a point where it was time to have complete dedication to Seva. But for the past four years, I say I had two full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. On average, it was 15 active working hours a day around seven days a week, more or less. Yeah. Two full-time jobs is not easy. Plus having a wife. And a cat. So, hey, <laughs> you've got your hands full. And a bunch of plants, yes. <laughs> and a bunch of plants, absolutely. And coming to plants, I want you to tell me a little bit about Seva. So, I was at Seva and every time I come there, I feel this immense sense of calm. The facility is so beautiful. So, tell me about how that got started. Well, I'll speak on behalf of Edda. She is the founder, and it would have been much more fun to have her on the podcast next to me. Unfortunately, she's flat out busy at the moment. She is the one who started Life in One, the elder sister of Seva. And that started back in 2014. So a bit of a background, Edda had ventured in different corporate jobs, and she is a trained chef out of Lyon in France. And during her early days, she ventured into different healing modalities. She studied and trained in Sufi camp and she did yoga teacher training courses and different experiences pretty much to look after herself, tackle her issues, heal herself. And throughout her journey, she always had remarks and question marks about the experiences she had and she always wanted to have a better experience. And one day she said, why don't I start something? She started looking into the bits and pieces and she got some encouragements from family and friends. And eventually, long story short, a series of events made her visit Dubai where she had no friends, no connections whatsoever. But then she came to a point where Dubai seemed to be a place to start a center as such. But she wasn't sure whether she wanted to do it in Istanbul or her hometown. She's Turkish, or to make it in Dubai. And one winter morning, she went for a walk on the Bosphorus, and she basically was saying, God, give me a sign. Today, I need to make a decision whether I'm going to have the center established in Istanbul or in Dubai. And it was very cloudy, very gray day, not many people in the streets. And while she's walking on the waterfront, there were a couple of fishermen in front of her. And as soon as she approached them, one of the guys turned and he was wearing a jumper that said, I love DXB. And that was her sign. <laughs> that was the sign that she followed. And she said, I'm starting the center in Dubai. And she 
flew in late 2014, looked for a place and found the villa, which had a very messy backyard. And she felt the calling and she felt this is a place and we built it up. And fast forward, we are here. Amazing. And I know both of you are immense believers in signs and we'll get into that because you told me some really cool stories. But I want to go back a little bit. So Ida is from Turkey. She studied as a chef in France and you said she also had a career. I have a couple of questions that I want to dive deeper into. What made her start this center? Like how did she come up with the idea? Like Dubai and Turkey obviously is, is a question, but what made her start this? You talked about the fact that she had learned a lot of these modalities. Yeah, she had the vision that especially in the Middle East, because she is from this part of the world, in a way, um, relatively speaking. And because she has experienced in her life so many different streams, and she found out that there is a need to offer what's so-called commonly healing modalities or experiences for people on a trusted platform. And there were too many sort of incomplete availabilities and options. But then she said, all right, if we connect the dots and if we create something, and also simply speaking, this is her passion and this is what she is good at. And so she said, I'm going to start something. I'm going to establish a place that will offer yoga and movement classes. And it has its own cafe that offers healthy food. So back in 2014, she started the cafe as well. The original idea was to make it as an exclusive cafe for the members. But then the cafe basically attracted more people than the offerings of the center because whatever she was offering back then was not very common in a way. Certain ceremonies, certain treatments, and so on. And it was the first 100% plant-based, gluten-free, sugar-free, soy-free cafe in Dubai. And until today, we maintain the same consistency and quality. Of course, we increased our workforce, we refined our quality, and we have been recognized. It's so humbling to be recognized on a global scale by people who really know what they're talking about. Absolutely. Did she have an entrepreneurial background? Does she come from a family of entrepreneurs, maybe? She comes from a family that understands business and have very high work ethics. Eda's mom, my mother-in-law, is a wonderful person with high standards and work ethics. She's a textile engineer who was one of the early textile engineers in Turkey. And she ran the factories for some of the biggest brands in the world. And so her work ethics were incredible. And they are still great contributor to what we do at Seva whenever she visits us. She always has incredibly valuable input. And also her brother, her elder brother is an entrepreneur. He has his own businesses and so on. But I would always say that when I look at <laughs> the Gunger family, everyone has a very unique color. They share a common denominator of incredible quality of ethics. But I would say Edda's approach is extremely unique. It's her own color. I am very fortunate to be witnessing its evolution along the years. Yeah. So, Edda, this is back in 2014. You said she's come here in 2014. She decided to start something, even though she had a career. So, I guess at some point when we have Edda, I would love to dive deeper with her and ask her what made her switch. It's not like a switch that goes off in your head, right? There's a time, there's a transition. 
there are many things that cause a business owner to start a business. And I'd love to maybe have her on the show. This is a great opportunity to, to make sure that we have part two of this conversation. So she started the center in 2014. And I know you and her met very surreptitiously. Tell me about that because I want to start talking about how you came into the cafe, but it has to do with how you guys met. It's quite a story. We met online on a dating app. I looked at Ada's profile and interesting, one of her photos when she was young and her profile reminded me of a close friend of mine and she was talking about Life in One in her profile and I had no idea what Life in One was or I didn't know it existed. And we had a bit of a conversation and then we find a lot of common interests. And then <laughs> she was telling me about this interesting story of a couple, an older couple that she connected with on Life in One frequency. And they were interested in coming to do some work in Dubai. And they were Reiki masters and they do a lot of work with energy and crystals. And she said, why not? Let's do it. And she brought them in to her surprise. They were a very old couple, incredible, incredible people. And they did amazing work. And interestingly, even though at the early stages of the center, they found themselves surrounded by the students that they were ready for this course, which was very, very interesting, not in any way regular whatsoever. And they always said, whenever they visited the center, they said, our students are always the ones who are ready to receive our teachings and they will always be there when they are ready. So it wasn't anything related to marketing or trying to sell and whatnot. It was more of attracting the right people. So anyway, they spent 10 days in the center. They did amazing work and they were giving Eda a lot of gifts and crystals. And on the last day, they brought her a big pyramid. It was a shungite and it's a very powerful black crystal. And they told her, this is a shungite. And she said, I cannot receive any more gifts. This is so much. And they told her, this is not for you. You're going to meet a guy and his name begins with an S. And this crystal is his it belongs to him and you are going to be the one who's going to pass this on to him and he's going to be joining you in this journey and so <laughs> she was telling me this stuff online and she was saying i asked for several weeks who is around me i walk in the garden anyone starts with an s what's your name and what's your name and she forgot the story completely and then when we were chatting she said i feel this might be you and of course Here's a random person connecting with me and chatting about these topics. And I took it lightly and in a way I built upon it. But long story short, a few days later we meet and she introduced me to her cat, Arthur, and to the Shungai, the crystal. And four years later, here we are all living together. <laughs> and the crystal is in the corner of our altar. <laughs> wow. Totally. <laughs> You talked about signs earlier. Look at that, eh? I was blown away by this story because you hear these things in a movie, you hear these things in a book, but to hear it and actually have it happen to you, this is so powerful. Before you met Ed or when you were meeting Edda, the center was already on. Was it in the shape that it is currently in? So it had a yoga center, it had a cafe, it had a lawn. Did it have all of that, what it has today? So back in 2016, it was a sort of a crisis time for the center. Not many people know the series of events that led to where we are today, but we had contractors running away halfway, not finishing the job. We had people doing work 
on the basis of pre-approvals from the municipality, only then we find out they never got the approval. And it took us some time. For example, it took us three years to get the approval for the tent of the cafe because it was built without any legal approval. And back in the days, Edda had not much of support. And unfortunately, she basically had some work done by unethical people and she found herself stuck in so many ways. So when I met her, it was end of summer of 2016. And a lot of construction work was going on. The cafe and the whole center was closed down and a lot of issues were there. Even after I joined, we had to demolish half of the kitchen because it was extended illegally. And so I can tell you whatever was the center back then and whatever it is now are two different things. Of course, the essence is still there. The garden had always had its charm, but we uplifted it with a recent renovation and construction uplift. So you met Edda. She shows you this amazing stone. She shows you King Arthur, your cat. What made you join hands and, and say, I'll work in the cafe? Because you had a full-time job at this point. You had a career at this point. True. And I didn't join immediately. As a matter of fact, it just happened organically. It didn't start overnight. It actually took over a year for me to be not only active, but also active in a public way in the center. So I was doing some help from time to time. But like when I first met her, I knew that she was going through some challenges with the website and it was easy for me to step in and help with rebuilding the life in one website and from there on because of my background and because of my technical knowledge it was easy for me to set up certain structures and to take care of some media work and graphic design work and some relationships here and there and being an arab speaker in this country it helps sometimes when you have to deal with the government and so on so it was a natural evolution of my involvement with Life in One back then. And this is the beauty of the place. We always call the space a living being, you know, whether it was Life in One and now Seva, it's not just a workplace. It's a place that will shape you and reshape you and morph you along the way as you integrate with it in whatever capacity you are. Yeah, absolutely. You can feel some of that when you walk in and you sit down yeah, a lot of work has been done on this place. A lot of the therapists and the teachers and the healers and the people who visited the place did the work. We had crystals buried in the garden. We have feng shui being revised and done every year on the villa and the space. So you take care of what takes care of you. And so what you give, you get. So interesting you brought up feng shui in this conversation. It's obviously foolish of me to ask if you believe in it, but all of these religions have a version of it. Yeah, the Chinese have the Feng Shui, the Hindus have Vastas. And I wanted to maybe just take you off on a sidetrack here. How real is all of this, according to you? How true is this? Well, you know, maybe the question is what is real and what is true, right? Because for every truth, there is an opposite that is also true. And the reality that you live is the one that you make and the one that you interpret. So whatever you have as senses, as conditioning, as sort of an operating system defines the reality that you perceive. And so whether it's science or belief or evidence-based modality, it all depends on the spectator, right? 
back in the days when I was young, I heard of astrology through horoscopes and the simple things that are mentioned in the newspapers, magazines. They're very superficial in a way, signs and what happens tomorrow according to the day you were born and so on. What I can say is today, astrology as a science is something that is very fundamental in many decisions that we make. As a matter of fact, sometimes we hire people according to their astrology chart. It is very big on this and very passionate on astrology. And so when we look at feng shui, it's just another science. Unfortunately, it was not always delivered in its full capacity and with the right clarity and by the right people. And so it can seem to be nonsensical in so many ways. But I can tell you based on firsthand experience that few adjustments we made in the center had a radical impact in no time. And not only that, our Feng Shui master who visits the center on average once or twice a year offers its, her own Feng Shui audits and several businesses and homeowners actually hired her. So she offers this consultancy on a regular basis. And you would be amazed. I mean, you get like a report of up to 90 pages of recommendations, of explanations, and it has to do with the people who are working, what sort of a business and what's around. It's not just about the interior, like even what's around you, what sort of a light lamp, like a street lamp in front of you, or what sort of corners are there around you and so on. So it is very powerful and it is very real in certain contexts. I know for a fact that many businesses, big businesses hire our consultants for their offices. And so you're talking about some of the biggest brands in the world. And we are not in a position to mention these names, but you'll be surprised. A lot of decision-making happens on such instruments and tools behind the scenes. Yes, and like you said, what is real is really up to you and what you make of it, what you believe in it, because you have to believe in this for it to be true. And I know you mentioned the story about how you changed when we had met for lunch, the direction of the oven in the kitchen, and that made such a huge change for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very interesting discussion. And like I said, maybe when it is back on the show, we can probably have an episode about this because this is such an interesting conversation to me. So I want to take you back to Life in One. You've now joined hands with Edda slowly and surely you're helping her with her website. You've helped her with graphic design. Things are coming along. At this point, are you married already? We got married in summer 2017. This is just after you met? Yeah, a few months after we met. And still, by then, my involvement with the business was marginal in a way. More of an advisory and behind-the-scenes kind of role. But at this point, you've already met the crystal and you've claimed stake to the crystal? Yeah, so the crystal moved to my place. <laughs> the crystal moved to my place late 2016. And I can tell you from there on, a lot of major things changed in my life. Again, is it a correlation or is it a causality, you know? Did the crystal make these changes or am I just associating it with it? It's a story. We're storytellers of our lives and I choose to make it a story of sorts because why not, right? It's something that came in and it's still very much of a good anchor. But of course, if you have a crystal and you don't do the work, <laughs> not much is going to happen. So it wasn't just about like a magical want, right? It's more of what you do with the want. Right. And as you're speaking, it, it just occurred to me that there is such a 
similarity between your cat, which is King Arthur, and this whole story because really King Arthur found the stone <laughs> in the rock <laughs> and he came to pull it out. And here you are, you've come into Edda's life and you've come to claim this crystal because she was given this crystal <laughs> and said you're safekeeping it for someone. So I think, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but there are so many similarities in that story. Absolutely. And we have one big round table in the cafe. We always say <laughs> it's the night's table. <laughs> it's the night's table. <laughs> of course. But I mean, it's not easy to run a center like that. Has it always been smooth sailing? I know you said back in 2016, you were in crisis mode. However, now you've come over those challenges. But back in 2016, and this is when you've met Edda, you're getting married, the center is in the crisis mode. How did you manage all of this? Plus your full-time job. Good question. I don't know exactly. I don't have a specific answer. There is no secret recipe, you know. We would do the work and we would commit and we would keep up. And we would do the work on ourselves because it's not really much about just showing up to work, responding to emails and calls and doing some marketing and connecting with suppliers and whatnot. You need to be able to contain a lot of the energy that flows as you represent and you are part of this place. We did a lot of work on ourselves. And also it comes to a very important point, which is also related to what we do in Seva or back then Life in One. One of the reasons why we transformed from Life in One to Seva, it's part of the journey. We learned a lot in Life in One and that learning was through the work we offered and the services we offered and the work we did on ourselves. In principle, Life in One was known primarily in the public domain as a healing center. We don't use the word healing much, but even whenever someone mentions the cafe, they would say the cafe has a backyard of this healing center, Life in One. We always use the name or the term well-being, and it was more about being well, right? And in order to be well, you need to have your alignment, you need to have clarity and a lot of decluttering and completing some unfinished business in a way. And so much of this work has to do with the ancestors and the family work. So we inherit so much baggage from our previous generations and our nations and our countries, whether the ones that we have been born in on its land or the ones our parents came from if they're not the same. And along the journey, so much that is not really tangible plays a radical role in how you express yourself in life and even how life expresses and responds back to you. So this journey had to do a lot with family work as a foundation. And also because we are offering treatments and sessions that can be called body work or some hypnotherapy or some energy work, I would say one of my roles in the early days and until now were more of being a bullshit detector. <laughs> I find myself in front of people offering services that are not always classical in the form of one plus one equals two. You know, we are in a space where one plus one sometimes equals 11. And so you have people who come to you and they're offering their own services. And sometimes you do the work yourself, you do it on yourself, you attend sessions and some of these sessions can go into real deep layers that you have perhaps forgotten or you don't have a recollection of. And so 
it did a lot of transformation along the way. And we've seen this transformation happen on a lot of people along the way who committed, who believed, and who saw the value in what we offer. So going through these journeys also established a sense of responsibility because what we are offering is of immense value and we have been always committed to serve the community. And this is in a way where I find service is at the core of what we offer. This episode of the Elevated Entrepreneur podcast is brought to you by Cloudscape and Cloudscape's many different products designed specifically for retail and restaurant business owners. If you are considering opening a retail or restaurant business or maybe have one already and are looking to solve technology problems, then let's speak because we can give you a helping hand and make sure that you're set up for success. For more information, check out cloudscape.ae or get in touch by emailing us at hello at cloudscape.ae. I have a lot of questions about what you just said because there was so much you shared. But specifically what I'm talking about, right? What I want to hear and I want you to share with the audience is it's not easy running a center of this size. It is not easy running a cafe of this size. It gets busy. There are days, I'm sure, where you say, oh, this is so much. And I know you said there's a lot of baggage that you come with. There's a mission that you come with. You came into this. It wasn't even yours. But yet you put in 15-hour days with your full-time job. What was that motivation? Mm. I realized I didn't give the crystal clear answer to how to run the business. I digressed and expanded it in an abstract way. I would say finding the right people for the right task is one of the classic things. We struggled a lot with that. As a matter of fact, one of the simplest things that we look for is common sense. And sometimes it's a rare commodity nowadays, unfortunately. Common sense isn't very common. Absolutely. And so what I would say, rather than coming with what you know and what you think is right, when you allow for the natural movements to flow around you, and then you do the steering, and you surrender at times, and you move with it like a dance. In an abstract term, this is basically primarily what brought us to where we are right now. Let's say macro principles that we believe in or pillars, just like we always know we are provided for, that we are protected, that we are taken care of. And when we abstract and expand a little bit beyond attachment to success and results that are flying colors, when we understand that life is a yin-yang, it's, it's a movement of ups and downs, you approach business the way you approach life in an equanimous way. You still remain clear on your objectives and at the same time, you allow room for changes and for adjustments without any attachments, remaining grounding, grounded while floating out in the air. So these are the Basic principles, I would say, there is no real secret recipe as much as it is just to allow for life to flow through you and respond to it while remaining committed to your mission. I think that's really the line that needs to be underlined, right? It's about sticking to your mission because I think a lot of us don't know what our missions are. In fact, I didn't know what my life mission was until a few months ago, maybe a year ago, where I've come to the realization I know now what I'm here for, what I want to do with my life. And I think that's a very powerful thing. And I want to ask you, was it your life mission as well? 
The truth is, I don't know. I don't recall I ever wanted to start something like this. I mean, it's interesting. We joke sometimes that how, even before I met Edda, I found naturally myself in domains of interest that perfectly align with what Life in One and Seva are about. I love cooking. I ventured and I learned how to cook several years ago. I am plant-based even before I met Edda. And I did some yoga teacher training courses and I spent time in an ashram in India and I ventured and I learned in the mountains so many principles and disciplines that made the environment of life in one very familiar when I met it. And it wasn't very alien or new. So I would say I had interests and passions that were channeled and expressed perfectly within the context of life in one and on its canvas. And I would say it continues to be on foundations of service. If I would say, what is the mission? It's act of service. I always believe it's a very high form of expression. And so this is one way of it. And this is one way that also allows me to understand myself personally more and more and to connect with people in different frequencies. And it's a very, very powerful space that taps into most of the aspects of life, if not all. That's why Seva is a Seva experience. It's an experience platform, and we can come to it in more depth. Because this is also one of the clarifications and crystallizations that we got along the way, how we uplifted and migrated or transformed life in one into Seva. So in some ways, then, tying that all together, you said you, you've done so much of work literally before you met Edda. Was it all meant to be then? Because th these are two separate stories. You were doing all of this on your own and now suddenly you meet this lady who gives you a stone and she brings you into a wellness center that has all of these common elements. I guess in some ways, life was preparing you for it. Perhaps. And I would say, even though if I come in and reflect on the narrative today, it seems like a beautiful journey. There were a lot of resistances. Even after I met Heda, there was a lot of resistance in so many ways. There were a lot of downtimes. There were a lot of challenges. It wasn't almost like a beautiful journey in the sense of upside and positivities all the way, you know? But like what Steve Jobs says, you only connect the dots looking backwards in time. And so it makes sense. And that's where trust and surrender comes into play in allowing and surrounding yourself with serendipity most of the time. Yeah, surrendering to the forces larger than you. So true. I was having a conversation with a very dear friend about this, in fact, just yesterday. So it hits home for me. You mentioned something that I want you to, to go deeper into. Life is not always a bed of roses. And you mentioned that you had downs and ups and there were these points in time. And especially as a husband and wife working together, how did you overcome those? We are still overcoming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a never-ending journey. It's not easy to be married to someone, to be in a relationship with someone, and to work with someone, and to be in such a work domain as such. Because what we do is very intimate and very personal. And so when you are in a space of offering such services and when you do the work on yourself often and when you have it an integral part of your life, it's not an office job where you finish your working hours and then you 
come back to your life. It is your life in a way. And so it comes with a lot of challenges, you know? So we allow for trust to be a strong foundation in sailing. Yeah, and I think one we talked about knowing your life mission and then aligning that with the work you do plus the trust, I think two very important points that we sometimes forget in the ups and downs of life and we lose sight of that big picture. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, if we look back in maybe 500 years ago or so, and you look at the definition of life and being a human being, there is not much of segregation between work and who you are and what you do after work. And this whole concept of how you split your day is very limiting. They are all interconnected. And so when I reflect and I look at my relationship with Edda, I see us both being ourselves and refining our expression for life and at the same time being each other's witness. And this allows for beautiful projections because when you grow into certain domains, most of the time you need the reflection in order to even understand or experience what you are projecting, right? Just like if you don't have the mirror, you will not be able probably to see yourself. So when you have a witness of certain parameters and qualities and and you journey together and you intersect sometime and you go in different directions sometime to bring different stories and different experiences and bounce back, it's a beautiful ride. And this is something we are very passionate about. And as much as Edda seems or may convey the impression being the main founder of Seven Life in One that offers a lot of so-called healing or spiritual practices and so on, she's incredibly grounded. She's a lover of life and she is so much into earthy matters. She loves great food. She loves great vacations. She loves to watch silly Netflix shows once in a while. And so it's not about all escaping this reality as much as it is to really ground yourself and have deep roots in it while maintaining your connection with other realms. And you mentioned something which ties to this idea of full realms. You mentioned baggage. You said we come with baggage from the cities we're born, the countries we're born, our parents. Talk to me about that. How does that play into life in one and now Seva? So if I look today at a lot of the ideas that come from quantum physics and quantum theories and the teachings of the likes of Joe Dispenza and Ramtha and otherwise, where belief and consciousness and religion and science merge together and the theories of what are we and what do we do and why are we here and where we come from, there is a lot of mention of the term energy or the word energy. And energy can express itself in different levels or dimensions. And in our dense dimension, in the 3D world, it's very physical. The expression is very physical. But that definitely is not everything. Your thoughts and your emotions have a lot of physical impact. And you see this in great public speakers. You see this in great poets. So the definition of energy is sometimes very abstract and is very contextual. So when you come into the world, you are a blend between spirit or soul and a physical body in a way. And obviously you come 
from your parents who come from their parents and so on. And even science, a lot of research has been proven of how much of an impact and influence is transmitted between generations. We understand and operate and believe on you are made out of the influence of the past seven generations and you will have an influence on the following seven generations. So where you are, it's not a one-man show. And I'm not talking even about the interconnectedness with everyone and everything. It's just as simple as your own lineage. When you come from a heritage, when you come from a family and you don't recognize the impact and the importance of what happened in your family, in the family tree, you have a lot of instruments that you're missing out that can be door openers to the gateways of your own life. So in so many ways, a lot of traumas that can or may have happened in previous generations in your family may have been ignored and overlooked. And then you come into life and you find yourself in challenging situations, not recognizing or realizing that it is just that trauma got transmitted into your own generation because it was not resolved. And sometimes a whole life is passed on and then it gets transmitted to another generation if it's not resolved because energy transmutes and moves around. And from a generation to another, there is a lot of unconscious and unaware transmission of habits, of teachings, of knowledge, and of unfinished business. And so these are the things that we are almost always are unaware of their impact on the decisions we make in this life. And these decisions have very much an impact on the results we get in our life. So we blame our neighbors or blame our manager or blame our spouses, not realizing that it may be something that unwillingly our previous generations have not been able to resolve it and pass it on to us. And it continues. And this is not only on a family level, it can be on nations level. And this is where you sometimes feel the impression that there is some common denominator across people of a certain nation. You know, it's not something that has to be on the basis of stereotype or judgment rather than, hey, there is an opportunity and there is a recognition. And it's not always a negative thing. You can see a lot of beautiful qualities that get transmitted. And so the idea here is this protocol and this knowledge is very potent and powerful to invest in and to recognize, to smoothen the way moving forward in life. It is so much to process. And it is a whole different study, isn't it? In understanding the effects and the downstream sort of ways of how this flows through generations. But the life in one center, the seva, do you feel maybe in your conversation with Edda, does that hold any bearing? Because you said you came into it with a lot of baggage, she came into it with a lot of baggage. Yes and no. I mean, when I brought this topic, I wanted to say that when we do the work or we even introduce ourselves or when we are in any engagement of sort, we do recognize our ancestors. We recognize the work that's been done and we bring it on board. So when you ask me to tell me about yourself, it would be interesting to bring my seven generations <laughs> into the conversation. But when you recognize that they are active through you all the time, socially you come and say, oh, this newly born 
kid looks like his father or looks like his mother, or you have the habit of your dad or etc. And sometimes we only stick to the physical appearance or we stick to the habits or the tone or whatever, but it scales into much more than that. Now, of course, recognizing your guides and your players is one aspect. And then trusting yourself and trusting your intuition, right? And building the muscles, doing your own work, waking up early, doing your own meditation, taking care of your physical body, taking care of your mind, that will give you the adjustment of your frequency so you tune and attract and be attracted to experiences, to people, to knowledge, to communities on that frequency. Because if we again talk about us being energy and you have a frequency and vibrations that you transmit and you receive, then you realize that whenever you do these adjustments, just like the radio station, you switch the station and you get another channel and you get different transmissions. So this is where you start connecting with interesting people who you resonate with or interesting troubles. You just attract your life. So it's always the ultimate philosopher's stone, know thyself, right? The more you understand the self and the more intimate you are with yourself, the more universal you become. So it all starts from there. It does. And the more I talk to you, the more I realize I don't know myself and I don't know a lot about the mysteries of life. I want to switch gears a bit and I want to take you into the cafe side of things because as an inventory-based business owner, I think your cafe, it's a big part of what you do. So tell me a little bit about what it is to run that cafe and create the lovely food that you guys have, the plant-based food. And how does that happen? Today, we have a beautiful ambience. We have a beautiful garden. We have a very beautiful interior space and a wonderful team. And where we are today is a journey of trial and error, of refining, of experimenting, of getting feedbacks, of responding to these feedbacks. As I mentioned, both Edna and myself are passionate about life and we travel a lot and we learn a lot. And food is one big passion we have. And in addition to that, unique ingredients that we bump into along the way, be it from the mountains or the jungle or in between different kind of superfoods, different kind of berries, different kind of herbs and medicine and medicinal mushrooms and so on. So whatever we resonate with and we like, we incorporate in the process because we see Seva as a, like I said, a canvas, a platform and a place to express. And we play, we play very seriously, but we always consider that we are players more than workers or professional business people, right? So what we have today is founded on certain principles. So it's very important to understand that Again, back to the concepts and the principles of energy, your energy that you put into the food gets transmitted, right? There are monasteries, great temples where the highest ranking monks are the ones who cook the food for everyone, simply because this is the highest form of energy that you transmit to everyone in your order. And so we play certain sound currents and mantras in the cafe in the kitchen all the time because we believe in the power of sound and we believe in the power of vibration. And so we say this is an infusion in a way to the work that we do. The ambience of 
the cafe, like I said, the garden is very well taken care of. The cafe is always smudged and cleaned energetically. And then you have established the right foundation. From there on, we always look for the finest ingredients that we can have access to. We get challenged sometimes, depends on the season here in the UAE. You don't always find everything locally, but we try to be as local as possible. But recently, it's been incredible. We've seen a lot of small businesses who support our mission by their own expression. And so we connected recently with a beautiful network of great suppliers who offer us the parameters and the ingredients. And then we have a beautiful workflow. Our kitchen is very small. It's four by four meters. It's tiny, but it has a very structured workflow. And we did some great training by a wonderful friend and consultant and last year on sustainability. So even whatever we use, we try to recycle as much as possible. So the skin of the avocado is used as ramekins to put in the sauces and dips in it. We use so many different ingredients or what we consider as leftovers recycled in the whole process in a way or another when we make our own nut milk because all the milk that we offer is obviously plant-based and made in our kitchen daily. So the pulp of all the nuts is dehydrated and processed as um, fillings, as base for some desserts, etc., etc. So the process is there, the workflow is there, and eventually we have our own menu that we revise a couple of times a year. Bestsellers stay, some items swap and get changed sometime. People complain we bring back some menu items back and so on. And I would say once you establish all the foundation, once you have a beautiful presentation, once you have the good taste, the secret is in consistency. And this is where some of our most, let's say, respectful regulars that we acknowledge and seek their feedback praise our consistency. That when you come to Seva and you try something, you are sure to have the same experience every time you come back. Absolutely. And when I was with you for lunch, we had this amazing dish, by the way, I recommend everybody to go try called the arepas. Everything else was delicious, but the arepas, what a very interesting South American dish that I tried. Thanks to you for your recommendation. The one thing that I wanted to bring, the reason why I say that is because in a FNB concept, like you said, consistency is important. I think there's one more thing that I want to highlight is the breadth of the menu. Do you feel that your menu is extensively wide? It's at the right balance. As a matter of fact, we have more ideas that we wish to bring, but sometimes you create confusion by giving so many choices and options. We feel we are in a very good balance. And reflecting on Arepas, our chef Kiki um, comes from Venezuela. and She's a superstar. She's a wonderful artist. And she brought Arepas to our world. And it's based basically on some corn-based buns, handmade, on the go uh, with great feelings. So I recognize and I acknowledge Kiki for that. And so when it comes to the menu that we have, we try to offer something that complements the experience of Seva. And so curiosity is something that we like to induce in our guests. And so we have interesting ingredients from time to time. It's wide enough, I would say, in the spectrum to meet the expectations that we see from our clients. And of course, whenever we get some feedbacks, we adjust accordingly. 
but we are in a very good place, I believe. Indeed. And I guess what I want to ask you for is if someone's starting a new cafe or a restaurant, when do you know it's not too well? Is there some sort of trick to finding balance? Because I find a lot of restaurants, they offer everything and it's just so complicated. So how do you find that balance? For me personally, some of the best places to eat in the world are back street little places which they have two or three items and probably year after year the biggest upgrade they do is to redesign their signage and nothing else changes everyone in a way will eat in a way or another and when you come to express or offer something or a service in the world of F&B rather than trying to max out on the market segment acquisition or widen your attraction. It's more of what are you passionate about and what are you really good at and what do you really want to contribute with? It's not about solving a problem as much as about what do you really want to express? Because there is plenty of restaurants out there and there is plenty of sources of food. And of course, we highly recommend encourage home cooking as well. So when it comes to starting a business of sort in the F&B world, I would say, what are you really good at? I've seen some discussions and models, and I was involved in discussions that they go through very rigid, almost dry template of saying, all right, this is the criteria, this is the checklist, this is the cuisine you choose. It's almost like, you know, a scoring sheet. Like, do you want to do Italian? Then you have one, two, three. Do you want to do Chinese? You go for this and that. So when people ask us, what is your cuisine? It's almost like we have to give a country name of sort. So we don't follow these rules at all. We don't have a strict cuisine of sort. We know that we have quality. We are defined as plant-based, sugar-free, soy-free, and so on. And from there on, we express the best we can do. So I would say, know your passion, know your skills, know your resources, and take it from there. Absolutely. And I want to take you and ask you a question about tech. You know, you and I have chatted quite a lot about technology at, at Life in One. So how important has technology, what role has that played for Life in One and specifically the cafe? It's very important. Without a system and a process based on technology, if you're going to just go manual, paperwork based, you're lost. We did discuss, of course, to have some of your services and we're going to have it sometime soon to upgrade our own system in the cafe because it's not just about closing invoices or closing a sale. You want to look at what are your best sellers. You want to look at your matrices. You want to look at the charts. You want to look at the trends. You want to measure. After all, we are in the world of data and big data. And this is where all these patterns are important and they are very much big contributors to your decision-making process. So technology is a valuable pillar to have it structured in a way to use it, to collect this data, to process it, to analyze it, and to get the support of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you hear a lot about food costs and margins. Do you feel that that is important to keep an eye on? Of course. I mean, no matter what you are expressing, be it F&B or a healing center or a hospital or a nightclub, you are, after all, a business. 
and business comes with cost, comes with rent, comes with salaries, and it needs to be sustained. So if you are a business for profit, you need to have your numbers clear, you have your margins measured and precise, you need to find the right balance between quality and what's in the market and whatnot. Sometimes you can go radical and you have interesting concepts that can be completely off the grid and it works. And sometimes you want to just follow the classical model of sustaining a certain level of growth and a diversity of streams in order to have a continuity, not putting all your eggs in one basket and whatnot. You mentioned earlier that Edda didn't initially open the cafe to everybody. It was a private cafe, but then somehow the demand grew. What was the secret to that success? Why do you think the demand became so much bigger than the center itself? Perhaps because back then a cafe was more familiar than a wellness center <laughs> and still is. As a matter of fact, we still have many regulars who come strictly to the cafe which is fine and which is great. After all, what we see in Seva and in the cafe Seva table are nodes of a full spectrum of an experience, right? So we don't try to say it's a cafe or a wellness center. We are offering multiple services, multiple experiences. Sometimes people go for the whole journey. Some people pick and choose what works for them. But again, like I said, unfortunately, the word healing comes in different contexts. And sometimes when you say healing, you come into problem solving and the first reaction or response says, oh, I'm fine. I don't need to fix anything or there's nothing wrong with me and so on. So it's not about that. Because we get defensive. Yeah, which is natural. And it has so many justifications why we get defensive in a way. But it's easier access to tap into the cafe. And we've seen, let's say, a lot of conversion. <laughs> from the cafe to the center, in a way. A lot of people come to the cafe. A lot of people come to the cafe and then say, what's in the villa? What do you guys do here? And so on. And from there on, they jump into a yoga class or they try a sound healing class or they pick up something from the shop and they build the full journey from there. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we are curious by nature. So Seva as a wellness center does a good job of engaging that and piquing that curiosity. And you know, we talked a lot about the sound healing class and Kundalini yoga. And, because, you know, we're curious. We want to try new things. So I want to start towards wrapping up. And I want to ask you some questions. If you and Edda were to be given a chance to redo things in the business, what would that be? So it's unfair for me to speak of the early days. I don't have a firsthand experience. I can only imagine how it was in the first couple of years. And so my own personal belief is that if time goes back, I wouldn't change a thing always in any way of life, simply because I wouldn't be on this conversation with you if it wasn't for whatever was in the journey, right? And so, again, we only connect the dots looking backwards. And sometimes things happen in what seems to be disastrous way or sad way or painful way, only that it's a blessing in disguise. And I believe the year 2020, with all what happened in it also, is revealing some of this in a way. It's so interesting that you said what you said, not to change anything. I think maybe that's because of your training and all the things you know and you perceive. But I think a lot of us make this idea that 
maybe I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. But I think you rightly said it's not about that. It's a story that you're weaving. And at some point, you will see the whole picture. And when you look back at it, you will see the true picture. You will connect the dots. Exactly. And it's not linear in any way. It's more cyclic. It's more spiral. It's more fractal. So the whole conception that we're heading in a direction where past is behind us and future is ahead of us is very limiting. It's very, very limiting in so many ways. What advice would you give to someone as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Make your bed in the morning first thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know, why did you say that? As a matter of fact, this is a very famous advice from the great Jordan Peterson. 12 rules of life. Exactly. Simply because all of us want to change the world in a way, right? Everyone wants to go and fix things. And most of the time we forget that we can't serve from an empty cup and you need to take care of yourself. So are you really walking the talk? How much of what you preach you practice? And before you ask people to change things. And why I'm saying this is because I believe being an entrepreneur, for me at least, is a great opportunity to act from a foundation of service and a foundation of gratitude. And to be of service to the other is a great privilege. And so when you are in that mentality, you need to start with the basics. You need to have the basics done. So before you go into the battlefield, tidy your bed first. <laughs> <laughs> great advice. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to list that book in the show notes. And that's a great book. I actually have a copy at home. And the, I guess the last couple of questions for you, Shadi, because you're on the Elevated Entrepreneur podcast, what makes an entrepreneur an elevated entrepreneur, you think, from your experience? So we did discuss this earlier. I'm passionate about language and rather than coming into definitions and whatnot, what is elevation, right? What does the word mean? And in a way, it may mean going upward, but also that is based on your perspective. When you are standing in the desert and looking up into the sky, from another perspective, you might be looking downward. You might still be heading up if you are to fly upward and you might call it elevation but it might be in another context going downward. So perspective is very important. And to zoom out and to realize that when you are in a space that you are labeled an entrepreneur, there will be constant movement, which is life. And it comes with its ups and downs. And there is no light without darkness. And so you need to understand that chaos is what feeds order and order is what feeds chaos. So to allow for that equanimity without avoidance and attachments are some of the simplest advices that can be expressed, interpreted, and understood each in their own context in different scenarios by different people based on their different dictionaries. And I would say just approach life with passion and without attachments in an equanimous way. And I think the other thing that I picked up we so often get lost in the mundane and the ups and the downs. And all through this conversation, I think the one thing that we have talked about without having actually said it is perspective, is the ability to zoom out and look at the big picture. Because like you said, we are interconnected. We are who we are because of our life. 
and our some of our experiences we are because we are so all of these if you were to zoom out look at all of this in a wide angle lens i think it gives you a very different perspective sometimes absolutely and it doesn't mean to be passive when i say allow and let the flow be it's not about just floating on your back in the water and let the wind take you wherever rather be the wind be the water be active in your surrender and be clear in your direction and your purpose while just like you know the classical analogy of the lotus you are deeply rooted rising from the mud but floating with the wind whatever it takes you so it's a dance right and remember to play it's not about limiting yourself to what you think you are or what you think you want so abstraction is important but clarity is also important and you just dance in between both and you treat your business the same way absolutely it's an integral part of you it's an expression after all like you said this idea of work and then home and then work is a very modern invention it never was the case with our ancestors right we used to work and play at the same time and continue on we were hunters and gatherers at some point and that was our way of staying alive <laughs> yeah absolutely last question i promise shadi what books do you recommend because i love books and i love collecting books and i made a note when we spoke last but i want you to recommend a couple here on the show for our audience if i give you a list and i can keep going for another half an hour with the list the question is who's going to read them and are they going to be really taking into consideration we are at times of massive information overload and rather than looking at a list that i can give and if someone found themselves listening to this podcast until this moment and make a decision to curiously look up these books probably they will bookmark them chances are they will pick them up and maybe they will make it to their shelves or their kindle library and perhaps someone will read a book or two but i would say it's important to understand the power of reading and it's important to understand that even reaching to the closest book next to you and just grab it and have clarity and curiosity imagining the psyche and the story of who wrote it and the power of reading is that you are reading someone's ideas and someone's expressions somehow in your own voice and that is power that is almost like an inner monologue but it isn't and what i found the most profound realization through reading is that reading a book transforms you it creates at times an alchemical change within you that reading the second time the same book is a different experience so these are very important ideas i would say but to answer the question i would still give a couple of titles i am currently finishing a book called it didn't start with you which is also related to what we have been talking about with family influence and so on and i believe it's a very very powerful book that i highly recommend and the other one is a poem book by a great zen master and translator and a philosopher called peter levitt and it's called within within he basically comes from the soto zen school founded by ehe dogen in the 13th century i believe and to me zen teachings and philosophy are so fluid that 
the same lines can have different meanings based on where you are in life. And it's always beautiful to just revisit this book every couple of years and just see how, where you are as an interpreter of these lines, give different meanings to what you're reading. Amazing. I made a note. We make sure to link them in the show notes. Shadi, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing so much. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Thank you so much for staying with me till the very end of the episode. You've done it. I've got three specific asks for you. Only if you think that this podcast is worthy of your support and if you've enjoyed the content. My first request is for you to hit the subscribe button. Actually smash that subscribe button so that you can get notified when new episodes come your way. Or if you haven't already, head on over to elevatedentrepreneur.fm and subscribe to the podcast on the website so that new episodes are emailed to you right away. My second request is for you to help me spread the word with your friends and families and business owners that would enjoy this podcast and help elevate them too. You can do that either by leaving a review on your Apple device or just telling your friends how cool this podcast is. And finally, if there's a question that you've been dying to ask me or if there's pieces of feedback that you'd like to give me, head on over to elevatedentrepreneur.fm slash speak where you'll be able to record a voice message that I can listen to and also maybe feature here on the podcast together with my answer. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Much love. And I'll see you in the next one.